good start envisions an end result. Thank you for joining. This is episode 27 of the Bryce Harper Podcast. This is Bryce Harper, and I want to share with you about navigating the assignment, and the title of this episode is We Are on Assignment. I'm going to give you seven things on how to navigate the assignment, and I'll bring some clarity and some definition to that word assignment and how that was just a word spoken to me in my college years as well as something we experienced within the last few years with our second-born daughter, Madeline Brooke. If you don't know who I am, Bryce Harper, married to the most amazing best friend of my life. Uh, Sarah Harper will be celebrating, actually, 13 years of marriage on July 11th, and our oldest daughter will be turning six this July, and we have a -a two-and-a-half-year-old, Madeline Brooke. She'll be turning three in January. And we have the tremendous honor of being the lead pastors of Murfreesboro Family Worship Center in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. And uh, if you don't have a church, man, come check us out just outside Nashville, 3045 Memorial Boulevard. But this this title, We Are an Assignment, is something that is very sensitive and close to me and my walk and my own relationship with the Lord. And I shared this in a message this past Sunday entitled, kind of subtitled with that title, Navigating the Assignment, seven points, and it's all from Acts chapter four. And let's read through and I'll show you the seven points of how to navigate the assignment that God has given you. If he's given me an assignment, he's giving you an assignment. He's giving you a purpose, a meaning. And I want to share with you how that coincides with scripture, personal accounts, Let's begin. Verse 1, Acts chapter 4. I'm in the New Living Translation. While Peter and John were speaking to the people, they were confronted by the priest, the captain of the temple guard, and some of the Sadducees. Verse 2, these leaders were very disturbed that Peter and John were teaching the people that through Jesus, there is resurrection of the dead. So point number one, our assignment will bring a loud disturbance from a low volume of people. Here were not a whole lot of people, not the majority but a small you know, segment of people with influence who are making a loud disturbance. And if people were disturbed then, you, you and I can, be, can rest assured that people will be even disturbed now with our pursuit of God, pursuit of righteousness, pursuit of things that are sacred and holy, that, um, that if there was disturbance then, there's going to be disturbance now. Uh, Jesus said this in John 15, you didn't choose me, I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that your Father will give you whatever you ask using my name. This is my command, love each other. If the world hates you, remember that it hated me first. The, the world would love you as one of its own if you belong to it, but you are no longer part of the world. I chose you to come out of the world so it hates you. Verse 3 is says they arrested them since it was already evening but put them in jail until morning but many of the people who heard their message believed it so the number of men who believed now totaled about five thousand the next day the council of all the rulers and elders and teachers of the religious law met in jerusalem they brought in the two disciples and demanded by what power or in whose name have you done this then peter verse 8 filled with the holy spirit said to them, rulers and elders of our people. So point number two, be filled before being in front. Peter, before he spoke, was filled with the Holy Spirit. And there's a lot of us that are full on politics. We're full on toxic media. 
We're full on fear. We're full on confusion. We're full on foolishness. We're full on lack of wisdom. We're full on our preferences. We're, we're full on hate. We're full on revenge. We're full on evil. But here we see Peter, before he spoke, was filled with the Holy Spirit. First Thessalonians says, always be joyful, never stop praying, be thankful in all circumstances. This is the will of God for you who belong to Christ Jesus. In verse 19 in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 says, do not stifle the Holy Spirit. So back to verse 9 in Acts chapter 4. Are we being questioned, Peter says, today because we've done, good, done a good deed for a crippled man or do you want to know how he was healed? So third point is question the questions and the questionnaire. Right now, I feel like Christianity, anything remotely acquainted with anything that is religious, especially within the parameters of Jesus's teachings, biblical, Old Testament, New Testament is being questioned. Uh, The church is being questioned. Leaders are being questioned. And in a lot of cases, rightfully so because of just things that are suspicious or not done with integrity. But I want to share with you that from Peter and from this passage that you can question the questions and you can question the questionnaire. First Peter chapter 3 says this, Now, who will want to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you suffer for doing what is right, God will reward you for it. So don't worry or be afraid of their threats. Instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. But do this in a gentle, respectful way. Keep your conscience clear. Then if people ask, if people speak against you, they will be ashamed when they see what a good life you live because you belong to Christ. Remember, it's better to suffer for doing good, if that is what God wants, than to suffer for doing wrong. Verse 10 in Acts chapter 4 Let me clearly state to all of you, Peter said, and to all the people of Israel, that he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, the man you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. For Jesus is the one referred to in the scriptures where it says, The stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. There is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. The members of the council were amazed. They saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the Scriptures. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. So, point number four out of seven, we are ordinary people, but we have walked with an extraordinary God. We are ordinary people, but we have walked with an extraordinary God. For us to navigate the assignment and purpose God has placed on our life, we have to continue to rest assured that anything that's amazing, powerful, is all from the fact that we that we are walking with an extraordinary God. And for us to continue to remain steadfast and content with the fact that we are human and that we are just ordinary people. James 5 verse 17 through 18. Elijah was as human as we are, yet when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. Then when he prayed again, the sky sent down rain 
and the earth began to yield its crops. Verse 14 in Acts 4, But since they could see the man who had been healed standing right there among them, there was nothing the council could say. So they ordered Peter and John out of the council chamber and conferred among themselves. What should we do with these men? They asked each other. We can't deny that they have performed a miraculous sign and everybody in Jerusalem knows about it. So verse, so point number five, get the message out. You got to get the message out. Acts chapter one, verse eight, 18 or eight, excuse me. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. Verse 17, Acts chapter 4, But to keep them from spreading their propaganda any further, we must warn them not to speak to anyone in Jesus' name again. So they called the apostles back in and commanded them never again speak or teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, Do you think God wants us to obey you rather than him? We cannot stop telling about everything we have seen and heard. Additional point here, it's not one of the points because I want to end on seven, is don't stop. Just don't stop doing that thing that God has entrusted us to do and just continuing to raise our families, lead our businesses, lead our ministries, speak and share all the things that God is, has done, and is going to do. Hebrews chapter 12 encourages this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to lit, to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith because of the joy awaiting him. He endures the cross, dis disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. So don't stop. Um, verse 21 in Acts chapter 4, the council then threatened them further. But they finally let them but they finally let them go because they didn't know how to punish them without starting a riot for everyone was praising God. So point number six in navigating the assignment, keep corporately praising God. They didn't know what to do with these people because of the fact that everyone was giving praise to God. Verse 22, for this miraculous sign, the healing of a man who had been lame for more than 40 years. As soon as they were freed, Peter and John returned to the other believers and told them what the leading priests and elders had said. I'm going to skip down here and down to verse 31. After they said this prayer, and verse 31 is kind of the end of it. After this prayer, the meeting place shook, and they were, were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preach the word of God with boldness. So point number seven, keep corporately praying to God. This is interesting to see how in verse 31, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. This is not, this is just a couple chapters away from Acts chapter two, the day of Pentecost, the day of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, where they were filled with, speaking in other languages, and here in verse 31 in, in chapter 4, we see them filled again, and they preach the word of God with boldness. And if they needed to be filled again two chapters after the day of Pentecost, then rest assured you and me and everyone who calls on the name of God and the name of Jesus, we most certainly need to be filled again.
and again and again. And you see that throughout the book of Acts. You see refilled or filled. You see that time and time again throughout their gatherings, their, their time of prayer, their time of meetings. And if they needed to be refilled just a couple chapters away, how much more should we need to refill ourselves? And maybe we've grown, grown up in Pentecostalism or in a charismatic church where we experience an infilling, a baptism of the Holy Spirit. But when was the last time you got refilled? I'm challenged by that. I'm encouraged by that as well. To never try to be in front without first being full. And we're full on a lot of stuff. I mentioned that earlier. But we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Keep praising God with the people of God. Keep corporately praying to God. Verse 32, all the believers were united in heart and mind, and they felt that what they owned was not their own. So they shared everything they had. The apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's great blessing was upon them all. Lou Engel said it like this, the divided nation needs a united church. Um, I I feel like a, a divided nation is because of a divided church. I also feel like a divided church needs united families. Um, and the reason why we have divided churches is because our uh, the family has been broken. Um, willfully or unwillfully, the family structure has just been taking a hit in our nation. The broken family needs to be united in heart and in mind. But the fact is, we think about that even further, we are broken in our hearts emotionally. We're broken in our minds mentally with the things that we see that people are, you know, having to get counsel and work through emotional and mental counseling. And so if we are broken in this inner workings of our soul, then we need to be filled and refilled with the Holy Spirit. In my last year at Lee University, as I was completing my bachelor's in pastoral ministry, it was election year, and it was in the fall, of course. It was November. I was working on a paper. I was in a library, and of course, everybody um, during this time was out on campus, you know, talking. It was um, something that drew a lot of attention at my time at Lee, and Man, there was a lot of things that were being said once the election had was finalized and and this person was going to be president. Of course, on a Christian campus, even a liberal arts Christian campus, there were still a lot of people who were excited, a lot of people who were um, very concerned by the person who was being elected in, in office. And you can imagine the things that people were debating and discussing and especially among conservatives and Christians, it was a lot of, <laughs> we're in the last days, brother. Um, Jesus is coming back. Uh, this person is the Antichrist. And all of these kind of things are just swirling around. And I remember being uh, at Lee University, the school library, working on a paper, working on an assignment. And, and because of the announcement and different things, and the way things were going on the day of the vote and kind of those things getting finalized, everybody kind of rushed out to around the student center area, whether it's kind of like the campus living room. And everybody was out there either celebrating or debating or 
what have you. And I remember just being in the library by myself thinking, um, am I, you know, not focused on the right things? Do I need to, yeah, I'm the only one in here. <laughs> Everybody else seems to think um, that this demands priority um, and a lot of attention. And it's a big deal, um, right? When someone gets elected president, it's a big deal. And there's a lot of things that transpire from that. But I remember just not being really fascinated with it. I knew it was a big deal. I knew it was, uh, you know, a lot of things on the ticket that were going to go one way or the other. And and I had voted and, and my person did not get elected that I had voted for. Um, but as I was sitting in the library by myself, I was just thinking to myself, am I, you know, just is there something wrong with me for not wanting to be so interested and all this? And I just remember so vividly, it's just one of those like few times where I just, the Holy Spirit just spoke to me, just to my soul. And I heard this word, you have, I heard this statement, you have an assignment. And I was currently working on a very important paper, research paper. And at the same time, I knew God was not only talking about the paper I was researching and writing, but he was talking to me about my life. And then I heard the Holy Spirit again say it this way, you are on assignment. No matter what's going on around you, it doesn't change the assignment you are responsible for completing. And as much as I knew God was like talking about, you know, my research paper and my studies, he was also even even more so using that to speak to my life and why I was created and the meaning of my life and the purpose of my life and what I felt like God had called me to do and to be in ministry. And I'll just never forget. I remember it vividly. I remember where I was at in a library. I remember how quiet what it was, but at the same time feeling the reverberation of the Holy Spirit just in my soul in my mind and just in my heart of just, you have an assignment, you are on assignment, no matter what's going on around you, it doesn't change the assignment you are responsible for completing. And I've just carried that um, throughout my life. And it's really been an anchor. And one more story before I end this episode, back at the end of 2019, when Sarah and I knew we were coming to Family Worship Center to be youth pastors and moving to Murfreesboro, and it was difficult to figure all that out because Sarah was eight months pregnant with Madeline Brooke. We are going to have to sell our house and buy a house. And there's just a lot. It's during the holiday season, just a lot of things. And we were at our annual youth convention in Nashville. And we knew, you know, even taking our kids, our youth to youth convention, we knew we were going to Family Worship Center and had made up that, that decision and prayed about it and already talked to um, the church here talked to Pastor Eddie and about it, and we were at youth convention. It was Wednesday morning. It was a missions service, and Abe and Jill Sobchak were sharing, and and we were just there. Sarah's got Maddie, you know, eight months pregnant, and in her and Maddie never really Madeline Brooke never really moved around during her pregnancy but man Wednesday morning at the missions as as they were talking about missions work man Maddie was just like doing somersaults and cartwheels she was just all over the place and Sarah just had this thought 
and she looked at me. She said, I wonder, because one of the speakers on stage said, I wonder if my replacement, I believe my replacement is in the room. And it was a really, really strong, powerful statement. You know, a couple thousand people, if not more, there at the youth convention. And, and Sarah just looked at me and said, I wonder if Maddie will grow up to be a missionary. And of course, Sarah and I were just a mess, just like crying, just praying throughout the rest of the service. It was just a powerful service. And then, of course, that thought, because of just how Madeline Brooke was moving around, that was very peculiar of her to do that. And, you know, for me as a father, that that was hard to grapple with, even just the thought, because I would like to think Madeline Brooke would just grow up and live right down the road and and be a CEO of a billion dollar company and help me with my retirement, make sure it's nice and cushy for me and mom and and you have all these kind of things that are very self-centered, very selfish that you want for your kids, you know, all good things. But those things aren't really up to me. That children are a reward, inheritance from God. And I have to remind myself as just as much as I was on assignment and I had to move away from my family 12 hours from Texas to Tennessee to pursue my education and be involved in ministry. Could very well be one of my daughters. It could be sent on the other side of the planet to a dangerous remote place to be on assignment. And friend, if he has me on assignment, he has you on assignment. And I hope that encourages you. I hope you anchor yourself in that what God has spoken, he will fulfill, he will accomplish. And I hope you enjoyed this episode. That's all I have. Thank you for tuning in and listening. And never forget a good start in visions, the end result.